Spotlight. Brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. Faster Mai, it's Sarah Hendy here with you until six o'clock. On this evening's programme, we join Howard Kane at the Poetry Map Awards presentation and we speak to someone making music using a rather unusual instrument. stay with us till six don't worry every episode of spotlight is available to stream download or subscribe to as a podcast on the manx radio website we kick off today's program with howard kane who was himself a runner-up in the unesco biosphere isle of man poetry map competition you may remember we spoke to the team behind the poetry map back when it launched and they invited you to pin your own island-inspired poetry to relevant locations on the interactive map of the Isle of Man, which you can still access now through biosphere.im forward slash poetry dash map and take a sort of virtual tour of the island through the eyes and experiences of other creatives living on the island. Minister Geoffrey Boot told Howard Kane how the poetry map celebrates our unique natural environment. Uh, people tend to think of uh, the biosphere's environment but it's not it's about man and culture so this is an excellent example of linking that and this is people who have seen it through the summer in essence it's the name what it does on the tin isn't it poetry map there's been a map online people have been able to contribute poems throughout the summer and this has been judged now a fantastic turnout well over 100 entries which was uh, great uh, I, I didn't anticipate that many and uh, a very worthy winners tonight uh, Interestingly, they, they, they're from all around the island and they describe uh, sort of geographic locations or express them. And uh, as we heard during the prize giving tonight, uh, there's some poignancy behind some of the uh, uh, poems. And of course, the poetry map is still available. People can read the poems. The competition is finished. Uh, the Biosphere project continues, of course. Biosphere continues, hopefully, for a, a long, long time to come. Um, but uh, yes, the poetry map will stay there. It'll be available for, for generations to come, hopefully. And uh, people will get some inspiration from that. Maybe visit some of the places that it, it, it talks about or the poetry talks about. So uh, yeah, it's an excellent project. And I suppose it's been good for publicity for the Biosphere. Do you think when you're going around, or speaking to people, going around the Isle of Man, there's a feel of an understanding of what the biosphere is about? I think uh, when we started with biosphere, it was a difficult sell and people didn't quite get it. Um, Joe, over to you, who's our biosphere champion, who was uh, appointed over a year ago now, uh, she brought some direction to that and she's worked very hard uh, with DEFA and uh, various other uh, people who have s- stakeholders uh, to promote the biosphere and I, I believe there's hardly anyone on the Isle of Man that won't know what biosphere is now. They might not know the implications of it, but they are aware that we are a biosphere nation. And winner of the Poetry Map competition, you've been writing poetry for some time. Quite a while, yes, yeah, on and off, just uh, dabbling with it. What inspired the winning poem for you? What was it about? Um, it was, well, it's my wife, Vanessa. She is an occupational therapist. She wears trousers all year, really. But uh, in the uh, in the summer, she comes out in the dress sometimes. And it's the same effect as the wood soil when you first see it, I thought. Quite fanciful, but anyway, that was my thought. And I've known you for some time. I didn't know you were a poet, but you've had some things no, published. No, I don't look like a poet, I suppose, no. But I do look like an accountant, so I'm not completely uh, uh, evasive in that sense. Yeah. And do you sub- do you you know write all year round or just when inspiration yeah, yeah, strikes? Yeah. It's just it's, uh, it's not um, 
I, I do. I'm continually thinking about it and messing around with it. It's just messing with words. Fun with words is what it is, really. Congratulations, Eric. Great fun. Thank you very much. And name, James? James. And you're for Culture Van, and of course, what was the link with Culture Van? And was this a sort of the inspiration of trying to get, uh, I suppose, the, the, the culture or the cultural history of the Alaman in, in poetry? Well, it's mainly the same sort of thing as the biosphere people and the bard people are doing, just celebrating the Isle of Man, because we're, through the poems, we're investing these different, deeper, more interesting, unique stories in the landscape all around us, and investing the landscape with this living new culture. And I suppose it's quite interesting. I've, I've read quite a few of them. There's a goodly number up there. It's just fascinating how closely, I think, sort of links people feel with both the landscape and, and I suppose, their cultural heritage. Absolutely. And it's so lovely that so many people were inspired and it clearly clicked with a lot of people to say that, that they were brave enough to put their poems out there and felt connected to the idea and the landscape to, to do this. It's really wonderful. And Annie, you're representing... The Manx Bard. Manx Bard, which of course, former Manx Bard yourself. Yes, indeed. Uh, an amazing number, I think 170 plus poems. Yes, isn't it brilliant? Um, my job as a, a primary school teacher, I've been able to, to, to use the poetry map for um, showing young kids uh, quite what a wonderful wealth of poetry there is there. And they themselves have been very inspired by it. I've been writing poetry in my class at the end of term and you can't stop them. They're still carrying on all about the island, all about the places they've been. So I think it's a really wonderful initiative. Really, really good. And I think of anything, there seems to be more poets than ever these days. I don't remember doing that much at school, but now it seems that all the kids are writing. You only have to look at the number of poems on them. You can barely see the a man for the number of poem dots. <laughs> yes, yeah, I suppose a um, bit of confidence doesn't do anyone any harm, does it? <laughs> exactly, and it's a great thing, it's just it's having that, as David was saying, maybe the, the confidence just to express yourself, I suppose, and, and I know you write a lot, or always writing poems, and obviously a former Manx bard. Do you get inspired mostly by the landscape, or just by, you know, people you meet, or just thoughts that come into your head? I suppose I really am inspired by the landscape but the people connected with the landscape I don't think you can separate these elements out really and this is my home and it always has been so I'm always likely to return there one way or another even if I'm not actually physically here. That was Howard Kane speaking to Minister Geoffrey Boot, winner of the Poetry Map competition David Callan, the brains behind the project James Franklin of Culture Vannin and judge and former Manx bard Annie Kizik. Spotlight brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. We're delving into uncharted territory now with musician Lewis Maguire, who uses rather an unusual instrument to create electronic music. So I've got two Game Boys, two really old Game Boys, the original ones. So they're like bricks, like the big brick Game Boys. And um, I have like special equipment for um, special cartridges for writing music with them. And the, the Game Boys themselves have been adapted for music writing. Like you, there's like a how does that how does that affect what you do? So there's a backlight on the screen because the old Game Boys obviously like it's it's hard to see the screen. Like you might have to sit underneath a lamp or something like that. And then there's also like a special special sound jack which gets rid of some frequencies and like uh, boosts some frequencies as well to make the actual recording sound better. Okay, so what, what frequencies is it meddling with there? Um, I think it adds like extra bass to it and there's like, um, when you record out of the normal headphone jack of a Game Boy, it, it produces like a, a high frequency hiss. 
so it gets rid of that as well. Mm, I'm familiar with that high frequency hiss, bane of my life. Um, so, so the Game Boys have been adapted. Who adapted them? Did you did you do any of this yourself, or is this something that you had to source from somewhere else? Because it sounds quite complicated. So, one of them I actually uh, I was given a while ago. Someone actually modified that for me, and um, another one I actually bought parts for it there's like a group of people that make parts for them like they make like the backlight kits and they make uh it's the extra jack on it the extra headphone jack is called the pro sound jack and they also make those which you can buy and um install yourself so that's what i did with that one well good on you it doesn't sound like an easy job um and i'm looking at this cartridge and um that, that you say has been produced for music production and it's like it's got all these little golden dots on it how is how is this different to a gaming cartridge so like a normal game cartridge has all of these um chips on the board it's kind of manufactured this one in particular is like someone's designed like the actual uh, it's called a pcb so like the actual chipboard mm-hmm. someone's designed it and um that actually has like extra synthesis on it Okay, so it's been adapted and it looks completely different to me. Um, how does that work in the Game Boy? What's, what's, the, what's the magic here? So the Game Boy has like a specific sound chip in it mm-hmm. that produces like very primitive sounds. You'll only ever hear like four voices at one time. Um, so this cartridge, uh, this cartridge is called Nanoloop Mono. And this one actually has like extra, extra sound synthesis on the, on the actual cartridge of the like the game so it changes like what sounds come out of the Game Boy okay okay so it, it sort of plays with the the Game Boy's presets and and alters it like a like a hack almost yeah yeah exactly exactly like that and and when it's when it's in the Game Boy what do you what do you do to make the music like are the the buttons like the a b buttons and the direction buttons are they the keys yeah so you use like the uh, the actual buttons of the Game Boy as keys and like uh, and it's kind of adapted to use like combinations of keys to move right. around. Okay. It, it's almost like coding in a way. Mm-hmm. It's it's not. I'm not going to say it is like as it's difficult as coding, but uh, it is very similar mm-hmm. in a sense. And they also use like a like all of the text on the screen is in hexadecimal format. So like because uh, you can't fit like three characters. So like 100 is three characters. One zero zero. To like when you get to 15 it will be 1a instead of 15. What do the numbers represent? It's almost like a file system so like the numbers represent like a bar of music right and then inside that uh, you have like you'll write like a phrase of music it's kind of like a folder system in a way. Okay so every phrase of music you write so every um, four beats say become a number and and you create yeah, so if it was in, say, 4-4 four, four time, then it, you've got four four even beats that create one number, which goes into the folder one, until you get to, to 15 phrases, 15 bars, and then it becomes 1A, and then it becomes 1B, I'm guessing, yeah? yeah? Exactly. And so it builds it like that, so you end up, instead of, like, with sheet music, with, no, like, dots written all over it, you've got a series of folders. Yeah, <laughs> this yeah, is yeah. exciting. Exactly, exactly that, and, like... The Game Boy sound chip actually produces like um, like the sounds are really primitive. So, like I said earlier, it's like just four four sounds at one time, and that's just like two square waves, which is like a really primitive sound wave. And then one of them is like a like a custom wavetable, which can run really 
uh, low quality samples as well. And then the last one is a white noise channel, which you might use to make like snares or something like that. Snares and hi-hats. Wow, yeah. snares and hi-hats all in a Game Boy. That's incredible. So when you're, when you're composing, when you're sort of um, playing around and, and coming up with some different, different sounds and different uh, making music, what, what does it look like? Do you look like you're playing, uh, I don't know, like Pokemon or something? To be honest, I don't actually use the Game Boys when I'm writing the music. What I'll do is I'll run like an emulator on my PC and I'll, um, I'll use like a keyboard or like a game controller to, um, to like navigate it because my hands get sore if I'm holding the Game Boy too much. <laughs> but I definitely record it from the Game Boy. It's called like chip music. Not everyone in the community has like the same kind of ideology, but I, I like a purist kind of sound coming from it. Like I like to try and make the most out of a single unit of hardware. So um, I like to record it from the Game Boy, yeah. Yeah, so you'll explore um, the possibilities within the confines of the sounds the Game Boy can make rather than using other software as well to then alter that further. You, yeah, you've, you've made one level of alteration and that's, that's enough, that's what you want to explore. Exactly, but like, I do write, I do write like computer music as well, but like this in particular is really fun for me. Like I like getting really complicated with it and I try not to make songs that have like the same kind of like, I, we call it like, like tech, I guess, like the same kind of tech, the same kind of like a uh, coding techniques and stuff like that. I like to try and make something new every time I make a song. So I see. So you're pushing, pushing your own boundaries every time. Um, and what, like, I don't know, I often ask creatives and composers and musicians, um, what inspires them? Where do you get your ideas from? Like how, it's not the most obvious instrument to approach um, with, you know, creating a piece of music in mind. Yeah, um, because I'm doing like electronic music production as well, like with a program called Fruity Loops. There's a load of things in Fruity Loops that are like, uh, you have like compression and delay and like reverb, like, uh, on an effects chain I try and like simulate like I get inspired by that and like actually real music as well I don't want to say like real music but uh, traditional music. conventional yeah, yeah, yeah traditional music maybe yeah. yeah yeah so I like to try and take the techniques that people use in those songs and transfer them over to like to a Game Boy and try and emulate them I guess like because the Game Boy doesn't have like built in delay or anything like that or reverb or compression you kind of have to make it up yourself mm -hmm. I like coding things specifically. Wow, it doesn't sound like the most straightforward process. Um, so I suppose what you're doing is experimenting with the sounds. You're not you're not trying to express a particular emotion, maybe, or a memory. Perhaps it's um, it's purely about the process and yeah. and exploiting different aspects of um, of the the equipment you're using. Yeah, I would say like when I'm making Game Boy music, it's definitely more about that. It's it's less less of an emotional thing, but. Um, when writing music on a computer, I would say it's more of an emotional thing. This is more like a, like I consider it like a giant like Sudoku puzzle or something like that. Yeah. Like, that's really what it is for me. Amazing. Yeah. Um, and the, I mean, would you, do you call it an instrument? Like, it's, it's so unconventional. Like, how do you, how do you describe it when you sort of? Describing the, like, did you did you study traditional? Well, yeah, we're calling it traditional music, mainstream. Um, like, did you learn an instrument ever, or is this the first time you've sort of played with sound like this? I can't play any instruments, but um, some people do consider it like a live tool. I guess like there are live modes built into the software. Like, uh, there's the 
This one that I mainly use is called LSDJ and it has a song mode and a live mode where you can trigger, as we were talking about earlier, like these numbers that have bars in them. You can like trigger those at certain times and like in different orders okay. through this live mode. Right, so almost like a, like a loop pedal. So you'd record something, you'd stash it and then you'd be able to call on it at a later time to sort of play it out live. And then you'd just be kind of coordinating the, the the bars of music that you'd already played and, and recorded. Yeah, exactly that. Um, f for me in particular, I don't really have like an interest in playing it live, to be honest. Like even, even with music production, I don't really do it in a way to kind of, um, like I'm not trying to sell myself or anything like that. Um, but yeah, it's exactly that. Uh, some people do play it live and there are like uh, gigs around the world and like communities and stuff. Is it? Yeah. Like big ones, you know, like it's quite a popular thing around the world, to be honest. With you. Are, there, are there any artists or musicians who we'd, we'd recognise who use this kind of technology? Um, like there are a lot of like uh, mainstream artists, I guess, that use it as, as a sound generation tool. Like you might, you probably wouldn't notice that they're using it sometimes. Um, what's that dude's name? He produced, you know, the song Loser. Loser, oh Beck. Beck. Beck? Yeah, so Beck has like a whole album composed of LSD Joe. Yeah. How about that? It's pretty strange, but. Looking for my place on the assembly lines, fake prizes rising out of the bomb holes. Skeleton boys hyped up a purple smoke ring smoke from across the disco. Banknotes burn like. Um, I have a song called Mindgate, which is on like my most recent Game Boy release, and I think that's probably the most complicated song I've made. Um, it has like all sorts of like the, the Game Boy has like like I said four channels of sound, and it has all sorts of weird combinations of like using them together to produce like uh, louder bass tones and uh, lots of key changes as well. Like that's actually more like musical as opposed to like uh, trying to make technical things that's like more musical composition as well in that song so I think that's probably the most interesting one I've made mm -hmm. um, yeah. and you talk about the four sound channels do those sound channels um, operate in the same range or do they do they present you with different sounds and different opportunities so like there are certain channels like the the first two channels the first two are, are square waves and they have like a they're almost like different simps in their own right, like each different channel kind of does different things. Mm -hmm. um, typically you'd use like the first two to write melodies and to do like extra bass notes here and there, but it, it doesn't really sound that great to have like a square wave on, on like a really low tone. Um, with, with the third channel, the wave channel, where you can make, you can make your own waves with it, that's more typically used for bass synthesis and I think it I, I actually think it does go an octave lower than the other ones and then the last one is just noise so you don't really get like tonal out of it you can do but so that's, that's the white noise channel that you were talking about earlier yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah I feel like I'm building a picture up here I feel like we're yeah. getting somewhere um, and if you if you wanted to sit down and compose something that like lasted maybe two minutes um, how, how long does it take you to do that would you say um, I actually find that it takes me a lot longer to write Game Boy music than it does music on a computer. Um, just because you're always trying to find something that sounds new, like it's quite hard to make 
things sound different with just four sound channels. So, I don't know, two minutes, maybe like, uh, maybe like eight hours or something like that. Wow, that's really quite something. And how many, uh, I'm trying to figure out in my head, my maths isn't quick enough. How many files do you think you produce per track? I really have no idea, you know. What's, so maybe 37, 38, 39. Okay, but that's so hexadecimal, so like times that by 15. Yeah, times that yeah, by 15. Yeah, so we're looking at hundreds yeah, then. Yeah, we are, yeah. yeah. Probably yeah. like hundreds of folders, I guess. I don't really <laughs> thought about it. So you've got <laughs> hundreds of folders, each with a set of like maybe four notes or so in, and then and they so, together form a piece of music. So like on, on the screen that you're looking at, Sarah, this this actually goes into another folder and then you have more inside there as well. And these are called, uh, so this is like a chain of bars. You see? Yeah. And then that goes into have notes. And then you're also creating instruments in there as well. Uh, you also create lots of different instruments that do different things. God, this is like, it's a matrix, isn't it? It's like yeah. a crazy, crazy database that you've created. It's like I said, it's like a, um, it is like a Sudoku puzzle in a way. And like the, like I, I don't want to like claim like righteousness to LSDJ or anything like that. Like it's a very widely used program. Like it's not just me that uses it. And the dude that made it is like uh, some dude from Sweden called Johan Kotlinski. And like he actually made the software and I probably wouldn't be doing it without him. So, you know, it's not just me like yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, there's not only one person in the world playing a violin, yeah, but um, yeah, but it's incredible how uh, just with one instrument, each different person who plays that violin will come up with something slightly different um, in in one way or another. So yeah, well, thank you, thank you. Right, well, we'll play we'll play some of this music and uh, see what you think.
it for this week but i'll be back next wednesday with a haydenwood special with not one but two star guests so make sure you don't miss that until then have a lovely creative week slend you